This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. And I'm here today with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Now, today is part three in a series that is part of the global ambassador training at SOM International, Spirit of Martyrdom International. And it's part of a section that's called When Leaders Leverage the Law. Now, in part one, we talked about Adam and Eve and about how they had one law to obey and they didn't do such a hot job of that. In part two, we talked about how the law is like a, it's like a schoolmaster that shows us our need for grace. And now as we dive in to part three, it brings us back into Galatians and back into this passage where it talks about the law being cursed. David, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the, the, that's what the scripture tells us. It, um, uh, let me just read Galatians 3 uh, to get you know, to some text here and we can unpack this. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Okay, so, so to correct myself, it's not the law is cursed. It actually says specifically that those who rely on their works yeah. are under a curse. And so, and then it connects uh, obeying the law to faith. And so how are those things connected? How is faith and following the law connected together in this passage, David? Yeah, so it's again, building up everything we've been talking about, uh, Mark, is the tool of the law to bring people to faith in Christ, to righteousness. And the Galatians, uh, Paul writing to the Galatian church here, uh, there was a conflict of the Judaizers who were trying to still put people under the law and add Christ to it. And Paul is making the point here, uh, the law does not bring righteousness. In fact, it brings the curse. And uh, it's only by faith in Christ what God has done in his new life that we can be righteous. And so he's making the contrast because the Jewish church was trying to hold on to redemption through the Torah, but Christ came to say, no, the Torah cannot save, only I can save. So that was the tension in the church there. So Christ redeems us from the curse by the law, by becoming a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone who is hanged for a tree. Well, remember, it's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam and Eve eat of it, and they're given the promise that uh, uh, through the child of a of the woman, the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And so now Jesus fulfills that. And he is, Jesus takes the curse of sin and Jesus is literally crucified on a tree. On a, uh, we usually call it a cross. And, um, and so that, again, this is symbolism there of connecting all this. So again, as we look at this, some people might say, well, as Paul gets into it, is the law cursed? You kind of brought that up. No, the law reveals the curse of sin, but the law is good because it is the tutor. It's the, the tool that God as the ultimate leader uses to help us reveal this the cancer, right? Um, this is a cancer probe, and then help us be motivated to use the cure 
which we know is is, is grace in Jesus Christ. Okay, so David, give, give me a a real world example of all this. I mean, I I'm thinking about. Okay, I I understand. There's all this symbolism in scripture, but. Can you think of a, a real world example of somebody who they're living out the law in the way of faith and how, uh, give me a handle on that. What do I do with that information? Or, or maybe tell me about somebody who did something with that information that that's really helpful. Well, you know, of course I always like to draw from the global world. And so I'll just work in our story here at this point. Uh, one of the guys I met uh, in Egypt years ago is Khalif. And he was a fundamental Muslim who was a terrorist, actually even terrorizing, you know, liberal Muslims who weren't keeping the law. Hmm. Muslims, uh, Jews consider took the law and bring it to a, a greater extent that they truly live by the law. And of course, Christians, we uh, exalt in the grace, you know, in Christ. And the, and the Jews, they claim, you know, bring in some ways, you know, to, to handle the law better. Right. So, you know, again, Islam is known to, it literally means to a slave of, of Allah. Bottom line is, you know, Islam is the law. And if you live by the law, by the commands of Islam, you're going to make a place in heaven you're gonna uh and and they believe that there's a scales in in heaven before allah and he'll weigh your good deeds over your bad deeds if your good deeds outweigh the bad deeds then you go to heaven and uh and so that's their system so khalif i interviewed and you know he was to the extreme of anybody who did not keep the full extent of the quran the hadith wearing the right clothes, the way you trim your beard. Um, they, literally, they have the way you raise your children, when you pray, how you pray. Um, it, I mean, it even goes into the details how you go to the bathroom. I won't, we won't go Please into those don't. details right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's in the Hadith. And, and so, so, there's a, so a, in Islam, a Muslim's life is you know, mm. scripted their whole life. It's scripted out. So, so Khalif was trying to live this life be a good Muslim. And he was trying to come against Christians. And they thought, and he thought the best way to come against Christians is attack their own books. So he started studying the Bible. And as he studied the Bible, instead of again finding the problems of the Bible, he began to see problems in his own life. And he got conflict of who was right, whether it was the God of the Bible or the God of the Quran, because he saw there were two different Bible uh, or two different gods. So he cried out to God to reveal himself. And he had a vision of Jesus coming to him saying, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and uh, follow me. And so uh, Khalif got radically changed. He became a ra as much and more radical for Jesus as he was as a Muslim. And and so there's, um, you know, there's an example how he saw he was cursed by law, that they, he didn't have righteousness in his life, and ultimately saw he it was revealed to him that Christ was the way that Christ took his um, unrighteousness and then made a way for him to be saved. Well, you know, we're about out of time in this section, but when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about how the law is this great tool that helps people understand that their good works aren't going to ever be enough to save them. And what they need is they need Christ. They need Christ in their lives. They need Christ's grace. That it's not rule following, but it's Christ redeeming that ultimately pays the penalty for our sins. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. 
Can you imagine trying to disciple a church with only one Bible? This is Mark Stafford from At Risk Radio, and our contacts in Venezuela are telling us incredible stories about people coming to know Jesus, all the while pastors are missing Bibles for their people. After receiving a Bible from our ministry, one man said with tears in his eyes, no one has ever given me such a beautiful gift. At Risk Radio, in our partnership with SOM International, is working to bring 2 million Bibles into Venezuela. For more information about how you can help, go to atriskradio.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Now, David, we left off before the break with a story you were telling about a Muslim who came to know Christ by studying the law and realizing his own sin. Tell me more about how Muslims are often brought to repentance through the law. Yeah, so uh, Muslims, many of them love God. They truly are God lovers, and they want to do right. Every day they pray at the mosque for God, Allah, to show them the straight path. And so that's where God's led me off and to share with the Muslims is the law so that their hearts are opened up, that they're not going to make it on their own. Because the deception for Muslims is they think they can be good enough, Mark. Mm. And so, you know, and you think about it, what a what a life a trap of that lie becomes because if you think you'd be good enough, you keep on trying. Right, right, right. And and then to find out that there's, it's a never ending struggle. It's impossible. It's, a, it's an impossible yeah. task that only Christ can fulfill. Then that really is a turning point. I can imagine that would be a yeah. turning point. Yeah. So the sooner the law does its work and shows the impossibility of us being righteous, then the sooner grace and goodness can be experienced. Again, we want to point out that Paul points out that the law is not cursed, it's not evil, it has its point. Now, in Romans 7 there, it says, what shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. So the law is failure, it's missing the mark? No, it's God's holiness. Yet if we had not been, if, excuse me, yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. So if the law is good, it's from God. And, and God, of course, is love. He's grace. And so what a lot of people don't get is the law is, mm-hmm. is love. The law, God gave the law out of love. He gave it ultimately even as a part of his grace. It sounds so weird because many times we go, well, there's a law and then there's grace. you know, And it sounds like the two never come together. But in the spirit of God, it comes together because God uses the law as the ultimate leader to leverage us to grace, to get us there. So the sooner, for instance, the Muslim world who they respect the law, they want to live by the law, the sooner we can really open up their eyes to the true extent of the law and that they cannot keep it. Then all of a sudden they can begin to ask, well, what is the hope? What way provision has God given to us? And then we could gently and lovingly begin to share that Christ fulfills the law. Now, David, tell me this. I have uh, seen many pictures come out of the Muslim world with uh, people who are working in conjunction with SOM International, that they have seen people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and been brought out of a Muslim background and into a saving knowledge of Christ. Can you tell me a little bit more about what our contacts are seeing as far as people turning their hearts and lives over to Jesus in the Muslim world? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it's exciting. We're in a time right now that we're actually seeing revival happening in Northwest Africa in our work there, uh, that whole corridor of, of the Islamic belt there of uh, Muslims who have never heard the gospel before, never had experience or a witness or even known uh, Christian before. Muslims are now being encountered with Christ. Uh, that We have uh, schools there mm-hmm. that uh, they're being e- equipped, uh, Muslim background believers, into how to share their faith into engaging Muslims and their goal is to bring you know gospel witness to every village in that Northwest Africa so the Muslims have access to understand God's love his grace his design for them and so we're, we're just tickled to death we can't believe what we're seeing happening there and it's a true movement it's a discipleship movement of uh, you know Muslims you know, crying out to God and what's interesting too is still it's part of what God's grace being poured out because you know, the majority of these Muslims I interview, uh, they have, they've had dreams, they've had visions, you know, they're having desires, they're, that's God, only God can give a dream or a vision. So it's the Holy Spirit that's going before us in all this, Mark, and we're simply, you know, following up and supporting and pouring fuel on the fire of what God is already doing. So tell me a little bit about this work. You know, we're getting close to the end of this segment too, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about, okay, so you're in North Africa and these are like church planting schools? Like, uh, is that is that what you're doing? What what exactly are you doing there in North Africa? Well, again, we, we're the servants, not the masters. So to start with, this is leadership that God's raised up in North Africa. They're all Muslim mm-hmm. background believers. And um, that God's matured them. They're credible witnesses. Truly, they have a spirit of martyrdom laying their lives down for the love and grace of others around them and their na- the nationals there. And so they, God's given them the vision to be able to equip their cohorts, their family members sometimes, you know, other citizens and tribal members. And, um, and so, they have, you know, they're doing a six-month uh, schools there. And during that six months, they equip these new believers with God's Word, the foundation of faith, and then ways to how they can lead others to be children of God, to have Christ in their lives and grow in maturity in the image and likeness of God. And um, and so we're simply just supporting that with funds, with prayers, encouragement. But they're the ones really doing it, um, you know, Mark. And and we're just these we're just assisting in what God's already doing. So are we talking about a couple of guys here. Are we talking about. A handful of guys. I mean, how how many people are not just turning their lives over to Christ, but are are raising up as as new leaders in North Africa right now? Well, right now, as we have uh, uh, six schools, and it's two about two hundred uh, students uh, Northwest two Africa. Two hundred guys but, doing this right now. And Mark, uh, you know, the second largest proportion. We didn't talk about Islam, but we work across the board uh, in the Hindu world. But in India, is the second largest Muslim nation in the world, and uh, they have uh, right now. We just graduated eight hundred and thirty-eight students in uh, representing fourteen. Um, different states in India this this last week. So uh, it's exploding. And we in, in Bangladesh, uh, we have six schools going there right now. So, you know, that's nearly towards 200 uh, students there too. So yeah, it's a work of God that was beyond my imagination just a few years ago that could grow to these proportions. But that's what God's doing. And that's His grace when people finally discover the law, that the law is going to bring death, is a curse to them, then they're crying out to, for grace. And I think a lot of people in these developing nations in these worlds are now seeing the law is not 
the freedom. The religion does not bring life. Jesus does. So you just heard that right now, and again, this is changing all the time, but currently there's roughly about a thousand church planners that are being supported by people who love the ministry of Spirit of Martyrdom, SOM International. And if you want to be part of that, if you want to be kept up to date about what's happening all the time in the church at risk and people who are risking much for Jesus in these very restricted countries, you're going to want to go onto either atriskradio.com or spiritofmartyrdom.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll send you a full color newsletter about what's happening this month in the church at risk. Well, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.